true believers, and strap in as we journey with Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior! Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us once again for another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. My name is Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan. And this is the podcast that speaks exclusively about animation from the world of comic books. If you're new to the podcast, we have three rules here. One, I just explained we're talking comic book animation. Two, I always have a special guest very similar to the old team-up comic books, Brave and the Bold, Marvel team-up. I have a special guest when we talk comic books in three. We gotta have fun. Welcome to episode 16. And without further ado, I'm gonna bring out my guest. He is a former guest. He was on episode 7 talking about Teenage Mutant and Ninja Turtles, the first ever double-sized episode. But now he's flying solo. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the multiverse, Ray. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me now. I'm, I'm surprised I took one take. That was a smooth operation right there. I also did not agree to the uh, the fun rule when you asked me to be on this show. I didn't agree to any of these rules on this show. I guess I'll agree now. You're going to agree? You're, you're going to try and have fun? I'm going to try gonna... to have fun, but it's bullshit that you didn't ask me beforehand. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was well established, but uh, you're flying solo this time. You, you don't have your, uh, your, your partner in crime for this particular episode. Yeah, finally got that anvil off my back. You can finally speak freely without him interrupting me all the time. Now, uh, two disclaimers uh, I always make is uh, you are going to hear spoilers. If you have not seen the cartoon that we're going to talk about, you will see spoilers. And number two, uh, even though I love comics, love talking about them, I don't necessarily claim to be an expert, or nor do I claim my guests as an expert. We're just two people that uh, like talking comic books. Right. I am an now, expert, though. You are an expert. I am an expert. <laughs> we haven't even said the, the topic yet. Are you an expert on the topic or just Every an expert topic, in general? I'm an expert. Now, originally, I was going to bring you back for the big Batman showdown episode where you and former guest Jamie were going to yeah. review Batman and also do a little Batman trivia. Yeah, where uh, I embarrassed Jamie. <laughs> right now, Jamie is at the most magical place on Earth, Disney World, so he is unable to be with us this week. Jamie's whole life is the most magical place on Earth. This week, we're going to talk Green Arrow, the Emerald Archer himself, who uh, recently celebrated his uh, 80th anniversary 1941 yeah no he faded his debut in uh more fun comics back in 1941 yeah uh, that was a long time ago it certainly was 80 years in fact and he was what he was a rival to batman if i'm not mistaken right he was they basically wanted him to be kind of like batman light but more or less from a different perspective on life. Yeah, if you look back to the original version, he was very much a Batman knockoff, rich millionaire. Yep. He had the Arrow Cave, the Arrow Mobile, the Arrow Plane. He was basically Batman. He had a sidekick, Speedy. He was basically Batman with a bow and arrow. 
Yeah. Now he was created by Mort Weisinger and George. I don't know if it's George Pape or George Papa. It's P A P P A. Yeah, it's Pape. Pape. It's French. Now, one thing you and I have in common is uh, we haven't read too much of the more recent Green Arrow. No, nothing in the last. I'd say probably five ish years, maybe a little bit longer, actually. I've read a little bit more recently, so a lot of this is going to be based on uh, our knowledge of the character and what he was like when this uh, came out. The good old days. <laughs> We're traveling back, all the way back, to September 28th, 2010, which is uh, crazy to think that that was a decade ago. 11 days after my full birthday. Now, Green Arrow then in the 60s, late 60s, uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams gave him kind of a, a new paint job, updated the costume, gave him the now uh, iconic beard that he has. Up to that point, especially in DC, all the characters were very generic, very white bread, very uh, heroic, didn't question a lot of things. They, they gave him kind of a, I don't want to say hippie, but kind of a liberal, uh, more of a liberal attitude than a majority of the DC especially characters had at that time. Very much anti-establishment, anti-government at the time. Yeah, very... Uh, he would not be vaccinated. He would not be vaccinated. Probably wouldn't be wearing masks. That's probably why he didn't wear a mask in the 60s. Uh, well, that's up for debate. Uh, <laughs> try not to get too uh, controversial here on this show. They brought him into Green Lantern, and they, they formed an iconic friendship that still uh, many fans look upon fondly. They handled a lot of social issues in the time that hadn't really been dealt with a lot of comics, pollution, racism, drug addiction, things like that. Right. He really, was a uh, political character. Yes, he definitely was. And he which did was come not, back from the dead. What, he did come back from the dead? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but don't they all? They do, but he kind of came back from, he was a little different when he came back. That was when Kevin Smith was writing for him, where he came back and he was like a like a zombie. He was like zombie Green Arrow because he didn't have like a soul. Yeah, it was um, not to get too much on the comics, but it was definitely an interesting take I had not seen at that time where it wasn't just, a, oh, that was an android that died or, uh, oh, he wasn't really dead. Like, he had like legit, an afterlife. Yeah, he legit died. He had gone to an afterlife. He didn't have a soul. Kevin Smith, to his credit, did a, uh, a long story that really fixed a lot of the problems that had arisen in Green Arrow uh, from the 90s on. Of course, then he left and DC flushed it down the toilet pretty much the minute Kevin Smith left. That's true. They had a year one. They had a Green Arrow year one that was pretty good. But other than that, he was trash. And they had so many spinoffs right after that. Red Arrow 2. Red Arrow was kind of a spinoff. And you know what? The other thing is I liked about him that was a little different, that it was like Batman, but a little different, that he actually would kill people. And Batman obviously wouldn't, but he would kill people. So he was like Batman in a way, but would still do that, which is kind of cool, for, especially for a superhero. It is weird that he would kill, have no problem killing people. Yeah, that didn't really happen until the Mike Grell Green Arrow run in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. And he's been retconned a lot, so that's kind of gone back and forth since then. Yeah, fans don't like superheroes killing people. I like them to stay pure. Now, something I was thinking about before we get into the actual cartoon, which uh, amused me. I don't know if you remember this, because uh, back when the internet was relatively new and we didn't have social media, they had these things called message boards. Yep. DC Comics had a message board. And I remember a um, time where during the Kevin Smith run, Green Arrow referred to the police as the blue fascist. And there was a lot of outrage on the boards. A lot of people were really upset about it. It caused a lot of heated debate him generalizing and whatnot. And now you flash forward to now. Totally different story. And I, 
yeah, I feel like every superhero probably is saying that now in <laughs> in comics. Yeah. But I digress. All right, so we're going to go to, like I said, September 28, 2010. This is uh, was released on the Superman Batman Apocalypse direct-to-DVD. Oh, that was a good DVD. Back here, uh, DC started doing something called the DC Showcase, where they had done some uh, shorter cartoons on some lesser-known DC characters. Yep. This is the third one they did. They have done Jonah Hex, uh, Adam Strange, The Spectre. This particular one was directed by a... Uh, uh, I couldn't find in my research a lot of info on why they decided to do this. Probably was just to give you a little bonus incentive to buy the DVD. You know what? It's sad because a lot of these could have just been cartoons and they could have made great money. And You know what I mean? They could have went on to do some big stuff. A lot of those showcases. This one wasn't. This was really good. It's directed by a Joaquin Dos Santos. Phoenix. Oh. <laughs> now, he had uh, directed a previous uh, episode a review. We reviewed JLA Unlimited Double Date, and he had... Uh, directed that he had directed um avatar the last airbender a lot of those cartoons he actually directed some of the other showcases he directed jonah hex and specter and he is also slated to um direct the spider-verse sequel you don't say uh greg wiseman was the writer he was a comic and cartoon writer and uh some of the things he had worked on were the gargoyles cartoon spectacular spider-man and young justice just to name a few love the gargoyles cartoon uh, yeah, it was the uh, 90s, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Green Air, we already went over who created him. Now, he's voiced on this by Anil McDonough. He's a character actor that he was, you would know him if you saw him. He was in Band of Brothers, Suits, Justified. He played Dum Dum Dugan in Captain America. Strangely enough, I don't know if it's a coincidence, he played Damian Dark on the Arrow TV show. And he also voiced the Hulk on the Hulk 90s cartoon. He kind of looks like... Uh, Paul Walker a little bit with a lot less hair. Good looking man. Black Canary was uh, created by Robert Kaniger and Carmen Infantino. She appears in this. She's voiced by a Gray Delisi, who has done many, many cartoons. She had worked on Rugrats, Fairly Odd Parents. She actually started doing Sherry and Terry and Martin Prince on The Simpsons when the voice actor had passed away, who had originally done those voices. Wow. What was she on the Rugrats? Uh, I don't have the information. I didn't write. There were so many voices. I just I just wrote down a couple of the ones she did. I didn't. But I could probably find out for you if you'd like. That's the kind of. No, that's fine. It's fine. It's not important. Let's focus on the DC showcase. <laughs> well, now that you now, now that you brought it up, I almost feel uh, obligated to uh, <laughs> to talk about it. I didn't think you'd uh, put me on the spot like that. So. I was just wondering. It was, it was just a question. I thought in my head. Hey, I watched the Rugrats. I was a fan when I was a kid. Was she Angelica? That'd be impressive. Okay, she was Todd McNulty, Ty McNulty, and uh, Dulcie's mom. Yeah, all right. So then we're going to move on to Count Vertigo, who also shows up on this. Uh, he is uh, was created by Gary Conway, Trevor Von Eaton, and Vince Coletta. Stephen Bloom does the voice for him, who has uh, done the voice of Wolverine and several of the other X-Men animated series, not the original, and as, as well as a lot of the video games. He's also a big uh, voiceover actor for gaming. In fact, he was Sub-Zero in Mortal Kombat X, which I'm assuming stands for 10. Yeah, just a big 10. Big one. Merlin also shows up, which apparently they just they broke out for a shorter cartoon. They broke out the few Green Arrow villains he has. He's created by Mike Frederick, Neil Adams, and uh, Dick Dillon. He's voiced by Malcolm McDowell, who very famous, probably most famous for playing uh, Alex DeLarge in uh, Clockwork Orange. 
He also played uh, Professor Loomis in the Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween music, uh, music Halloween remake. Okay. Uh, and finally, also, we have a uh, Princess uh, Perdita, who is specifically created for this. I only bring her up because she's voiced by someone near and dear to your heart, Ariel Winter. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm assuming when she was a little bit younger. Uh, modern Family? Was, that modern? Uh, was, was it like, Modern Family? I, I just modern remember Family, her. yeah. It was Modern Family, right. Yeah, she's a looker. She was uh, 12 years old when she did this. Right. Probably not a looker then. You probably hadn't become a fan at that point. I didn't follow her and, until uh, she was Mer- in the WWE movies. <laughs> what was she in? The Chaperone? Or? She was in The Chaperone with Triple H, yeah. Great movie. Really enjoyed that movie. Man, I, I can't believe I got that right. I just guessed. And <laughs> no, no. You did good. It's in my top five. I'm sorry. Did you just describe The Chaperone as a great movie? Yeah, it's in my top five favorite movies of all time. All right, all right, all right. I'm not going to let you be on here if you're going to lie. Come on. That's not your top five favorite movies of all time. It is. Why would I lie about something like that? The Chaperone? There are so, of all the multitude of movies made out, you're going to tell me that The Chaperone is one of your favorites. With Ariel Winters and Paul Levesque. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the one. I've never even seen the movie. I have no desire to see the movie. I'm missing out. Knowing you how I know you, I'm not surprised that you have seen it. I think you might be uh, trying to be a bit of a troll here. No. I, have you seen the movie? It's a great movie. Let's move on, though. I'd rather, let's focus on The Green Arrow. I came here to talk about The Green Arrow, not my top five favorite movies. All right, Green Arrow. So uh, you are more of a DC guy, so were you uh, yes. a, a big fan of The Green Arrow? I really did like The Green Arrow, but i got to be honest, I wasn't too much of a fan of The Green Arrow uh, until the Kevin Smith run. But once I read that, I did go backwards, and then I read a bunch of stuff from before that. But uh, I do like them. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot to him. It's surprising he's lasted this long, but I do like him. Hey, he's an interesting character, and he always had people always associate him with Black Canary, who's in this because they have one of the longest on-again, off-again relationships in comics right up there with like the Wasp and Yellow Jacket slash Ant-Man, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Superman, Lois Lane, that type of thing. And um, Kevin Smith finally addressed it. In a good way, when uh, he kept trying to pretend Oliver Queen and Green Arrow weren't the same person, even though he just wore a domino mask and how many people have that mustache and beard? Well, you know, you're supposed to suspend reality. <laughs> That's kind of pushing it. In fact, during uh, most of the Mike Grell run, he ended up pretty much abandoning the mask and didn't even wear it anymore. Right. He was a man of the streets, though. That's kind of why, though. He didn't really have to worry about these huge villains coming for him because he kind of worked the streets more or less and just worked petty crimes. And then during the Mike Grell run, they finally moved him out of the uh, fictitious Star City and he actually uh, fought crime in Seattle, Washington. You know what? I I always just assumed he had an English accent. What, because you the whole Robin Hood connection? Probably. That's probably why. But until this cartoon where I heard him talk, kind of, I was like, wait, oh, I guess he's not English. The character's not English. I haven't seen every animation he's shown up with, but I don't I don't recall him having an English accent and and on Arrow or Smallville where he showed up, the actors did not have a English accent either. Completely normal. Yeah. Alright, so without further ado, we're gonna take a break. While we're on the break, myself and Ray, we're gonna watch the uh DC showcase featuring Green Arrow. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. There used to be three kinds of people in Sterling City. Civilians, criminals, cops. And then came this guy. 
asked me to save the city, I will. I swear. He's armed. He's extremely dangerous. And if you see him, shoot the kill. Series next Wednesday at 8 7 Central on the CW. And what's a guy fresh out of prison usually do first? Usually something stupid. Well, look who's going on a field trip. Ah! I make things right with my kid, and you're not gonna screw it up. What are you doing? You make a sound, or look at me cross eyed, and I will shoot your old man and shoot you right in front of him. That makes no sense. He's driving the bus. Red light! I gotta find my dad. This day just keeps getting better. I'm Mr. Bradstone. I'm the chaperone. The funniest field trip of the year. It changed my life. Rated PG-13. In theaters this Friday. That better be your fanny pack. The ultimate evil, dark side attacks. His horde of villains spread chaos and destruction. But now they face Earth's mightiest heroes. The Superpowers Collection explodes into battle. Oh no, parademons with a flash out on the limb, Superman's powers crippled by kryptonite, and a power action kick to boot. We'll save him. Who said that? It's Green Arrow, Dr. Fate, and Martian Manhunter, part of Kenner's Superpowers Collection. This will help Superman. Figures with power action, each sold separately. Now, Lord Darkseid. Now, Calabash. How will Superman foil Darkseid's dirty deed? You decide. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. And we are back. Hopefully you found and watched it. DC Showcase presenting Green Arrow. I'm going to give all my thoughts uh, at the end, like I always do about what I thought overall, but... uh. We open up in an airport, which is a Star City International Airport. A lot of traffic uh, backed up. Apparently, it's uh, very uh, busy, that Star City. Actually, animation really solid, I thought, uh, throughout the episode. That's one thing I'm going to say. It starts off good, and it's pretty solid animation. I agree. I didn't see like any jiggly lines on any of the stuff. You see that uh, Ollie's in his car. He's listening to the traffic. News says traffic's backed up all the way to the airport because there's a uh, Extra security for the royal arrival. Mm-hmm. Ollie on his cell phone, he calls uh, Black Canary up. and uh, Hey, did you notice on his phone when he pulled it up, he had a speed dial and the whole Justice League was on the speed dial? I did not notice that, actually. Yeah, it was, it's got uh, uh, Bruce, Clark, Wally, Mort, Diana, and then what's her name? Black Canary, the Deanna. Huh, no, I did not notice that. Yeah. Hopefully that phone never gets stolen because then everyone's going to be able to yeah. get a hold of him. Sure, he has a passcode on it. Like, come on. Well, yeah, that's true. So he calls her up, explains that he's going to be late to meet her in baggage claim. And then he hangs up and says that, uh, I should have said, I love you. I can't live without you. And then you see he's holding the little jewelry box. Yeah, big moment. I don't know if about your personal life. I know you don't like to be doxxed, but uh, kind of relative to what's going on in your life. It's a little bit relative to what's going on in my life. It's right. I did propose three years ago. That's true. And uh, I didn't make that question. Pop the question. It was a big deal. Um, you didn't do it in the airport, did you? I did not. I did it by a lakeside. I did not. But I did. Uh, we did drive by an airport on the way there. So then uh, 
he's honking his horn, nobody's moving, and uh, in a nice little touch, he yells, hey, pal, the arrow is green. <laughs> huh? I love that. I did love Get that. Get it? I got it. Yeah, I did love that. The arrow is green? The arrow is green. <laughs> Move it along. <laughs> <laughs> so he finally gets in. He's running, but then he looks where the, uh, all the cabs are. He sees Merlin getting out of a cab. He even looks him up on his phone because he knows he recognizes him. Yeah, and he uses his uh, fingerprint scanner uh, that he has built in there, if you notice. And Merlin looks a lot like Wolverine, right? Yeah, he has that very popular 70s superhero, supervillain haircut that yeah. Beast had, Wolverine had it, Quicksilver, the Owl. Yep. I, I don't know why that haircut is so popular in that era. I've never seen anyone in real life with that haircut. <laughs> so uh, It's offensive, it uh, though. It's nice. It certainly is. You think he'd wear a mask when he could be identified by a member of the Justice League right then and there, but hey, I guess he doesn't. Maybe he's just getting a flight out of Star City. He's cocky. He's cocky. He's not worried about it. So you see there's all this extra security for the princesses coming. They got the area roped off. And there's like 15 people there. The place is packed outside. You go in the airport, there's like 15 people around. Yeah, you know, I was going to bring that up where they got part of it roped off, but it really looks like there's hardly anyone there. Yeah, right. That's that's poor development on their part. I think they could have drew for a few more people. I really felt like it was the old police squad, the naked gun gimmick, where he's got the megaphone. He's like, please disperse. Nothing to see. And there's like three people. It's a big moment. Who's coming down that escalator? Not yeah, Donald uh, Trump. No, Princess Perdita with big security. There's a lot of cameraman. Whoever the One hell that shitty. is. They said, uh, was it Latveria? No, that's Dr. Doom. What? Latvia. They said some made up country that uh, Lateva. Yeah. Uh, well, it's spelled with a V, but I think the V is silent. So it's Vlatava. Vlatava, yes. It's in Russia. All right. So um, so one of the security guys, not security, cameraman looks kind of shady. He's got a hoodie. He's looking very ominous. But then everybody gasps when they see the princess come with their security. You know, like everyone is like shocked. Shocked doing all the murmuring, all the, the, the flash bulbs are going off. I think they're just trying to figure out who the hell she is. You don't think? Uh, I don't think they know she's the princess from Latvia. Then all of a sudden, one of the cameramen he shoots a dart out of his camera, hits one of the security right in the neck. Was it a dart? It looked like a dart. I'm pretty sure it was a bullet. All right. Well, it could have been. Yeah, it was a bullet. And he proceeded to shoot everybody else around, all the other security guards. Yep. They're trying to get her back up the escalator. They're trying to disperse the crowd. They're getting blasted with uh, other mercenaries. Yep. Uh, in fact, you see on his camera, he's got it zoomed in right in her forehead, which makes me think it's like a scope. Right. Well, yeah, it probably is a scope. Out of nowhere, an arrow crashes right into the ground in front of him. Who could it it's be? It's a smoke arrow. Luckily. Green arrow swings in and says, sorry, I'm late. You tried changing clothes in a hybrid. <laughs> he doesn't care about all the dead bodies around him. He just want to check on those guys. You ever tried changing clothes in a hybrid? Well, I've never changed clothes in a hybrid. I've changed clothes in a Chevy Celebrity several times, but never in an actual hybrid. I've never been in a hybrid, actually. All right. Uh, he uh, knocks him out with an arrow. So this I always wondered. Uh, he hits these guys like in the face with an arrow. I know it doesn't have a tip, but that still seems to me would do some damage. I'm pretty sure that's at least a concussion, a broken orbital, um, some kind of a uh, something cracked on their face. And I, I would agree. Uh, that might lead to death at a later time, but at that case, you know, it's fine. He hit some people. But don't forget, so, that after that, 
the guy that you said, uh, the guy with the camera, he actually picks up one of the guns from security and starts firing it. Yeah, he actually shoots the last one that is the only one that was protecting him before Ollie swung in and saved the day. Yeah. And after he does, he introduces himself and he actually says, I'm from the Justice League of America. Or she probably wouldn't have allowed him to help. Exactly. The Mercs start shooting, he grabs her and runs. He uses an explosive arrow to blow out the window. And then he does this pretty neat bit with a rope arrow where he shoots like one rope up and one to the plane out the window and he kind of like zip lines on his arrow. He does a little Kevin McAllister thing down to a plane underneath. Gets out of there. Uh, luckily, I, I had a little problem with like the distance that they'd have to drop <laughs> from the plane's wing to the ground. But hey, it's a cartoon. What's suspending reality in this cartoon? They go to Merlin. He's on the cell phone, and uh, he's like, he says, he notify him the bird has flown the coop. Merlin's another bow enthusiast, huh? I was not aware of that. I wasn't even aware of who this character was, honestly. <laughs> he's an assassin, been around for a while. Uh, he uh, fought Batman as well. Oh, um, of course. I don't think he was created specifically as a Green Arrow villain. I think he sort of became one over time. Ollie and uh, the princess, they're running through. The runway, a plane goes zooming by him. This had one of my favorite interactions where uh, after it happens, Ollie says that dragon almost got us. And her response is, I'm 10 and do not require fairy tale metaphors. That was funny. He was pretending like she was a little child, which was sweet, which was sweet to see. And he says, it gets better. Uh, Sorry, it's my first time rescuing royalty. She says it's a forgivable sin, Robin Hood. And then she chuckles. <laughs> it's a great back and forth. So then uh, arrows start flying out of nowhere. Merc is like shooting them left and right, knocking luggages off the luggage cart, shooting them everywhere. He's trying to get away, but he actually nails Ollie right in the leg. Yep. And he's actually bleeding, which you don't see in a lot of, uh, you do a lot of the DC directs, but uh, a lot of cartoons review, you would never see blood. Yeah. It's a good shot, though. He was running at uh, pretty decent speed, and he nailed him right in the knee. Uh, he ends up pulling it out. He, like, bites on the arrow, rips that thing right out of there, has uh, the princess make a bandage for him, and uh, they're still getting blasted with uh, arrows. This is actually, they're hiding behind, like, a luggage cart, and he's knocking them off, and he asks if she knows why he's trying to kill you, and you find out the big reveal that uh, it's because she's not a princess anymore. Her father died, and now she's the queen. Yep. And, a little bit uh, of a loose end. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he says that uh, braver than I thought. And then they uh, they they get in the luggage car and start driving off. He props a little uh, little arrow on the pedal though, so he can keep it moving. Yeah, so they can duck down. He doesn't have to be on the gas pedal and hopefully avoid getting more arrows shot at them. Smart move. How uh, him and Merlin are both using arrows, and even though I love him and I love Hawkeye. I've always found the arrow to be kind of an impractical thing for a crime fighter to have. Because you run out of them. You run, your quiver runs out, as they say. Yes. Um, and you think it would anyway. And like Merlin and him are both like running at top speed while pulling arrows out of their quiver and shooting it. It just seems like even the greatest archers in the world couldn't accomplish this with any kind of accuracy anyway. You think that, but then you see Merlin, when he's shooting his arrows, he's shooting three at a time. Uh, they're, they're pretty fast. They come one right after another like a... Like, it's pretty impressive the way Merlin does it. So I'm, I'm willing to bet that uh, Ollie can do that too. We can't even imagine how great archers they are. That's kind of the problem. Uh, yeah, I don't even think I could shoot an arrow with any accuracy standing still, let alone while running. Yeah, I could, but I don't think you could at all. Well, you did say you were an expert. At everything, yeah. 
So we find out her uncle is uh, Count Vertigo. If she dies, he becomes the king. And all he says, that makes sense. Yep. And Count Vertigo, like the other Green Arrow rogue. So apparently we're going to, in this 12-minute cartoon, we're going to shove the only two rogues. Fan uh, a lot in. Well, I wouldn't say the only two. He's got Onomatopoeia and um, there was that girl who ended up teaming up with who had a child with later, which I can't for the life of me think of her name, showed up in the Longbow Hunters. Uh, Jean Grey. Jean, no, not Jean. <laughs> I can't think of her name. Somebody hopefully in the comments will correct me, and I'm going to think about it the minute we're done recording. But she also shot a bow and arrow, and uh, she ended up having a child with him. Started out as a villain, but then uh, they sort of became friends. She even showed up in the 80th anniversary uh, special. So anyway, um, Merlin shoots a flaming arrow that hits a gas trunk. I should say a gas truck right by where they are. Right, you should say that. That blows it up as they in uh, Merlin gets on the thing and informs his client that they're both gone inside. Who's his client, you think? I'm going to assume it's Count Vertigo, seeing that we just established that that's her uncle, and if she dies, he becomes king. It's probably a good guess. So they go into this uh, big luggage maze room, kind of like the ending of Toy Story 2, where there's all these chutes and all these conveyor belts and... They come in, and uh, the guy starts in trying to kill uh, Ollie and says, uh, Ollie says, weren't you uh, just after the kid? And then he says, I was just kidding, your kidness. <laughs> Ollie's got some great one-liners here on this these one. Are great. You know, that's kind of my problem with these. They feel like everybody, they need these cartoons. All the heroes got to be kind of quirky, have these goofy lines. They, like, they feel like they got to fit those in. I understand it's a cartoon, but. Well, you must not be a fan of the MCU then, because I swear every five minutes in every movie they're, they're breaking out some quip. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the MCU, and I've seen every single movie in the MCU. It used to be like Tony Stark was the guy making the jokes, and now it's like everybody's Tony Stark. Every single person's Spider-Man, though. So they're getting into a fist fight, and I gotta say, Ollie was getting his ass handed to him for the he majority of this fight. He got shit kicked out of him. He was like, I was watching this and thinking, why? how is he a superhero? He got lucky, in fact. Ollie gets the upper hand, gets him in like a UFC like armbar at one point. Yep. But then the guy bites Ollie, gets out of it, and he keeps on tooling him. Mm-hmm. Uh, destroying him. Yeah, Absolutely he really, destroying him. Uh, yeah, it's, he really was getting uh, his ass handed to him for mo- a majority of this fight. Finally, he breaks out the bow, and he starts smacking the guy in the face with the bow and pretty much knocks him off the thing, takes him out. Almost got defeated, but pulled it off. Absolutely. But then. He really did. And then if the bow wasn't there, I'm pretty sure that princess would be dead. He hits his head on uh, one of the low-hanging uh, ceilings, and he's going to fall into the luggage chute. The princess has got a hold of him by the arm. He tells her to let go, but she doesn't. They both fall and land in uh, the baggage claim of the airport. Which, there's Merlin pointing an arrow at him. Coolest part of the entire episode is right here. Yeah, this standoff's pretty awesome. He says how... Uh, you lost our last duel. In fact, you've uh, lost our last eight duels. I think even the uh, princess uh, made a comment about him losing to Merlin eight times. <laughs> she did. She said, you lost? They said, yeah, but I've been practicing a lot. So they have this great standoff, but they agree. On three, they're both going to shoot one arrow apiece. Now, as cool as it was and all that, doesn't I don't know logically why you would do this when you're trying to save this uh, princess from getting murdered. Bravado. This is this is this is how these guys get off right here. Uh, this is kind of the underlying story of this whole cartoon right here. These two and their 
little fight with the arrows. They've had it eight times. So they've obviously done this several times. This time being the coolest out of all the times since I haven't seen the other seven. And you got to wonder, Merlin, he's an assassin. Why, if he's beaten him eight times, how come he never killed him? It's true. He was missing all those arrows when he was on the rooftop, too. But in this pretty badass moment, they both shoot an arrow. They hit exactly, and all these arrow goes right through Merlin's arrow, rips it in two, goes by, graces his cheek, hits the wall, releases knockout gas, knocking out Merlin. He did that on purpose? I assume he did it on purpose because he didn't want to. Uh, Ollie wouldn't miss, so he doesn't want to kill the guy. So. Wouldn't miss. He doesn't miss. He broke his, like, literally in midair, went right through his arrow. Very cool. Very cool. Then all of a sudden you hear, uh, if you want something done right, Count Vertigo walks in using his uh, Vertigo powers on Wally and the princess. Why, if he, you're in an airport, if there was Dramamine anywhere nearby, this guy really wouldn't have much powers against them, would he? Probably not. They modified his costume a little bit. He doesn't have the mask on. No. And he says, uh, in fact, all he says, Vertigo. And he says, that's Count Vertigo to you, peasant. Soon to be King Vertigo. And then in this great exchange, he says, I'm going to be the king once I dispose of you in that little, and he starts to say the B word. Bitch. Yeah. (laughs) But he's cut off by, you hear a female voice saying, watch your mouth. And the camera cuts to the black canary. Not only does she cut him off the scream, she hits him with the sonic scream. Which, by the way, I don't know what you think. I've always thought the sonic scream, even though it doesn't logically make a lot of sense, is one of the coolest powers. I did think it. You know why I like it? Because it's a very unique power and it is very cool banshee's the woman banshee would do it too it's, it's a cool power i've never quite understood why it uh have you ever taken your voice and have it only be heard by one person in a room of five yeah i've never understood that that aspect of it why it never makes any sense to me <laughs> no i've done that i've done that it's it's a practice that you have you ain't gonna practice it but it's a skill well you are an expert like you said <laughs> And everything, yeah, that's correct. So the Sonic Scream looks pretty awesome. She yells, it does the big circuit thing, it sends Vertigo and the luggage flying all over the airport. In fact, he crashes in the wall and gets knocked out cold. And then Black Canary goes over and says, what would you do without me? Mm-hmm. He says... Ironic. It's kind of weird the way he worded this. He said that now that you mention it, and since I'm on my knees anyway, <laughs> he opens the ring box and says, I can't live without you. Great shot of rebut, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, don't know if that was necessary, but it's in there. He opens it, and there is, in fact, an engagement ring in there. And there's a big pause. And uh, the princess says, well, say yes already. <laughs> She's a little pushy. She gives him a little, she does get in there a little bit. Tells him every queen needs a consulate. Yeah, a consort, I believe. Is consort, it. yeah. And he says that she's right. He needs a consort. Every queen needs a consort, which is a clever play to his name is Oliver Queen. Another and, play on words. Yeah, another play on word. And uh, Canary says yes. Thank God. And then they tongue kiss. And they end on a big romantic kiss. I don't know if it was a tongue or not, but that's how they end it with a big kiss. Very nice way to wrap everything up. Yep. Thank God the princess is okay, or the queen, I should say. Actually, you know what? I'm glad both queens are okay. Which begs the question, uh, was that his plan to ask her to marry her at the airport or did that just work out in his favor because of what had happened? I think he was a man, uh, I think he was supposed to be someplace else. 
but I think it just worked out perfectly for him, and he capitalized on it, and he used it on because he was on his knees in the first place. So perfect. Yeah. Now that you mention it, and uh, now that you mention it, I'm on my knees. I'm on my knees. <laughs> that was kind of a weird play uh, transition. No, I don't think so. I don't think, I think it was fine. It, it was fine. It worked, but it's. Uh, I guess it's not something that. <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like a natural uh, transaction or transition, I should say. Transition. Yeah. All right, well, there you have it. The uh, DC Showcase Green Arrow, I believe, is the first uh, Green Arrow cartoon solo, even though they, it's possible in the 60s filmation might have cranked out a solo one or two. I don't have uh, the exact history in all of it. They definitely could have made that into a, like, like a running series. I think they could have done that. Well, we're going we're gonna to go right to the uh, spectrometer, and we're going to discuss that. Let's discuss that. We're going to the spectrometer right now. Woo! Anyone unaware of the spectrometer? We rank everything we watch. Zero to four, zero being the absolute pits. Four being it doesn't get any better. How many spectros, Ray, are you going to give DC Showcase Green Arrow? All right. So I thought about this all day. I've been thinking about this since I woke up this morning, what I was going to give this cartoon because of Green Arrow himself. And after watching the cartoon, uh, I, I, I got to say two. I got to say, too, uh, there was a lot of holes, a lot of loose ends. I mean, the fight scene was great uh, on both the, the duel and the actual fight scene. Was very cool. Uh, but really, other than that, I kind of lackluster. Uh, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to go. I'm going to go a good solid uh, two and a half. Two and a half. OK. I Almost did give a rookie score. Yeah. What did you like about it so much? I liked it. Uh, my only complaint is I think it actually suffers from being just a showcase short. It would have actually been benefited from being longer. Definitely. I think because of the shortness, they had to uh, jam all of the plot things they wanted to get in there. I feel like they thought maybe they, in case they didn't do another one, they were going to get it in there. They were going to get Black Canary in there. They were going to get Vertigo in there. They were going to get Merlin in there. So I think the story could have been hashed out a little bit better from a little more time. I liked the animation was top notch. Uh, all the voice work was good. I liked the the costume. It's kind of the classic Neil Adams, a little bit mixed with the newer Green Arrow. I like that Vertigo and Merlin showed up. Whoever thought I'd see them. A little disappointed, no boxing glove arrow. Yeah, that is his trademark. That is his trademark. I was I was looking for that, too. And I was thinking maybe when he hit those guys in the face earlier, it was going to come out, but he didn't. Uh, the other thing about the cartoon that uh, you might not know is that it went on. The guy who wrote this actual episode this small episode he went on and directed and wrote uh the young justice in the first season they adapt this little short hair in one of those cartoons and they adapt the story of what happened with the princess and stuff really yeah i did mark at the beginning that he worked on young justice but i did not know that they followed this up on young justice i did i, I forgot to mention that i didn't want to interrupt you in the beginning but uh, uh they did adapt the story and i haven't seen it yet but i'm sure it's great I'm sure it's I would like to see that. That sounds good. You know, it's good to see Black Canary. I like to see them together. I always hate when uh, couples that have been around in a long time in Marvel or DC where they do the old breakup makeup thing. I, I hate that. So I was glad to see them together. Uh, it was enjoyable for what it was. I just think that the flaw it suffers from is that uh, it's just too short. It should have been longer. I think they could have had a better story if it and fleshed it out a little bit better. I, I, I agree. Um, were all the showcases around 10 to 11 minutes? 
yeah, I've seen the Spectre one, um, which was kind of short. I, I've, I know the Jonah Hex one because when I was looking for this, I, I stumbled across Jonah Hex and the Adam Strange one were about the same size. I don't know if they're still do. I thought they did a Superman Shazam one that was longer, but I could be wrong. Feel free to correct me out there if I am incorrect. Like I said, uh, uh, Ray's the expert, not me. So. They did make one of those. They did, yeah, and it was a little bit longer um, than 11 minutes. I think it was about 15. So my question is, why do you think they felt like they needed to squeeze this in then? Why couldn't they just stretch it out a little bit longer? Uh, maybe their thought was, number one, they were going to add it to the DVD to give you an extra little perk to buy the director dvd uh, maybe they thought because these are lesser known characters, they uh, they wouldn't sell if they gave them their own. That's true. At this point, though, I feel like they've released a lot of different stuff. I think they could have made it work. And Green Arrow shown up in multiple different versions, like you said, Young Justice, Justice League Unlimited. He's everywhere. Yeah, he's everywhere. He now, I mean, I don't know when Arrow debuted the TV show. I don't know what year was the first year the Arrow show was on, but it seems to me that would have been prime time to do an Arrow directed DVD cartoon to go with that television show. Yeah, that would have made a lot of sense since uh, they definitely would have had a lot of people buying it. Uh, I never watched the Arrow TV series. I know you did, but I was told it, it was really, really well done. I have to correct you. I, I've watched Smallville, which Green oh, you Arrow didn't was a watch big Arrow. part of. But I've never, my wife loves Arrow, seen it all, but I've never actually, I've only seen Arrow when he showed up on the Flash TV show during the crossovers. I've never actually watched the Arrow solo show. My wife also loves Arrow. Uh, maybe it's uh, Maybe it's a female thing. It could be a female thing. Maybe the guy's... He was a good-looking dude. He was a good-looking dude. So fun. I mean to watch it, but I'm always behind on uh, what I'm watching. I think now that uh, it's over, it would be a perfect time because then I never have to worry about new episodes coming out. You know, when I can binge. Best way to do it is binge watch. But really, you lose a lot when you binge watch, so maybe it's not the best way to do it. You forget a lot of stuff. You miss small things. So we both agree it's not bad. It just suffers a little bit from the uh, the time restraints. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and he could have said something like, uh, I told you I'd meet you at baggage claim when she came up there and he had the ring. You know, they could have had a little bit better quips. That was the other thing. The little quips they had in there, terrible, awful. The writing, that was the other thing I didn't like about. You don't like the one-liners? No, nah, they, they were bad one-liners, except for the arrow was green. That was pretty good. Felt like uh, you weren't getting it when I was uh, harping on that one. <laughs> you know, it took me a bit. I'm a little slow. I figured it out, though. So we're going to go to our other weekly feature where we uh, discuss in the year uh, 2021, if a young child stumbled across this Green Arrow cartoon, would they enjoy it? No. Flat out no? Yeah, because kids like uh, characters that they, they know and they can identify, especially kids that watch Marvel uh, and DC movies. They're looking for Batman. They're not looking for uh, Mr. Vertigo, uh, whatever his name is. They're not looking for these uh, uh, Marlin the Mysterious. They're not looking for these guys. The kids want to see the people that they know, and these aren't people that they know. So I, I would say that the kid would be like, well, who are these people, and, and kind of change the channel. I'm not sure this would hold a kid's interest or not. Uh, they might, if they were flipping through channels, might pay attention to it, but I, I don't think it would get the excitement of, a, say, a Teen Titans or a Superman or or something from the MCU or something like that. Yep. But hey, you out there, you might uh, think otherwise. Yeah, let uh, us know next week. Let us know. Exactly. Let us know. Go to my social media and uh, fill us in. On that note, you can follow me at, on Twitter at Matt Spectro. Uh, find my Facebook, Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. If you can give us your two cents on Green Arrow, this cartoon, did you like it more than we did? Did you hate it more than we did? Anything you want to hear, I definitely want to 
anything you want to say, I should say, I would like to hear from you. Get some feedback. I always love feedback. You know me, Ray. I love a good spirited debate. I do. I do. You're, you're one of the few people that uh, I do know that loves a good spirited debate. That can still handle it. <laughs> and uh, I like Green Arrow. I haven't read much of his recent stuff. I did I did buy the 80th anniversary special. I believe he has a miniseries coming up where he teams up with Aquaman, of all people. In uh cartoon. No, that would be a comic book. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I'm probably not going to buy it, but that sounds interesting. I might check out the first issue. Uh, I'm sure Mikey Webb would uh, enjoy it. I think he's a big Aquaman fan. Yeah, I think he's just a big Jason Momoa fan. (laughs) That could be. But again, uh, also, uh, if you could uh, smash that subscribe button, I'd be appreciated. Spread the word. Listen. Like it. Give me a five-star review. Anything helps to get me out there more. Would love to hear from you. Ray, uh, do you have any social media you want to plug while we're on here? Uh, you know what? I don't have any social media. I don't, but if I if I do have a, a little bit of time, I would like to say, if you haven't already seen The Chaperone, I would go out and see it. Uh, it's a great movie with Triple H and Ariel Winters. Uh, it's a WWE movie, uh, WWE Studios. Uh, I think it was around 2011, so I would highly recommend, highly recommend that movie. It was directed by Stephen Herrick. Uh, I don't know if you know any of the, his his work, but I... It's great. It's good work. Critters, right. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So. <laughs> I did not know that the guy who directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure directed The Chaperone. Also, don't tell mom the babysitter is dead, the Mighty Ducks. I could go on. This is who made this movie. I'm trying to tell you this is why this is good. Mr. Holland's Opus. Have you seen Mr. Holland's Opus in the last 15, I, I, 20 years? I haven't seen it since the 90s. Rockstar? You know Rockstar? No Rockstar. How did he end up slumming it, making a B-rated WWE Well, again, he didn't, he, he didn't make a B. It's a great movie. You haven't seen it, so you really can't talk too much about it. But uh, I would recommend everybody go out and download The Chaperone or maybe stream it or whatever you got to do, but watch it. Ariel Winter's finest work. At this point, I'd like to point out the opinions of uh, my guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of Matt Spector through the multiverse. Sure. I want to thank you all for joining us this week. Thank Ray for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I am looking forward to uh, the Batman episode, the big Batman showdown, when you come back with Jamie. Massacre, right. When that happens, I don't know yet. We're going to try and arrange it, hopefully soon, because Jamie might be uh, moving uh, away from us. Yeah, yeah. Any point. I've forgotten more about Batman than he even knows, so (laughs) it really isn't going to be too much of a problem for me. These are some bold claims. Uh, I hope you can back him up. Oh, absolutely. I don't need that. Come on. It's silly. It's silly. Yeah, I, I'm surprised he even took the challenge. Well, technically he hasn't taken it yet. We'll see. I doubt he will, then. But on that note, that was it. DC Showcase Green Arrow. I had a lot of fun watching it. I had a lot of fun hooking up my boy Ray again. Thank you. Yeah, I did, too. I, I hope we can do another show uh, that we get the review. I like the review shows. All right. Perfect. Hopefully you join us. Uh, well, now you've done both. You prefer with or without your sidekick. You know, I like, I, I don't mind him. Again, doing a little bit of work without Scotty, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't mind having him back. I, I, I apologize for calling him an anvil early on in the show. <laughs> All right. Now, that note, thanks for joining us. And tune in again next time for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Through the Multiverse. Through the Multiverse. Excelsior!